You ready to study the Word today? All right. Good deal. If you have your Bibles, turn to um, Mark chapter 2, put a marker there, and then Exodus chapter 16. Mark chapter 2, and then Exodus 16. Mark 2, put a marker there, Exodus chapter 16. While you're turning there, I just want to say tonight, or this afternoon, beginning at 4 o'clock, we have uh, a Steps to Freedom class. And you know, our vision is to see people saved, set free, and growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ, set free from the bondage of sin. And so um, the class today is from four to seven. And so it's an intensive. And what we do is, is we're gonna take, uh, the if, for those who come, take them through um, a s- series of steps on uh, gaining freedom from the, any bondage of sin, uh, any of those things, and, and through repentance and forgiveness, we'll, we'll be guiding through that uh, tonight. And uh, here's what I know. Uh, when people commit to being set free from sin, see, the enemy doesn't like that. And what he'll do is he'll try to discourage and find a way to keep that from happening. And so if you're signed up for that class, and we have several that are, uh, if, if you're signed up for that class, I want you to push through. I mean, I just want you to commit and say, hey, you know what, no matter what comes, no matter how I feel this afternoon, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, a little dark brain cloud is going to follow you, okay? I'm telling you. But if you push through and say, no, I'm going to trust the Lord, and, and we're going to see breakthroughs tonight, I know. And if you're here today and you need a touch from the Lord and you need uh, to move through some areas of uh, freedom from bondage of sin uh, and you're not signed up, you can, you can just walk in. We'll be ready for you. And uh, we, we want to see people set free so, see that, so that you can run in your relationship with the Lord. You, we want to see people run and, and, and uh, walk in uh, freedom. Um, I have a standalone sermon today. Um, although it could be a series, I'm not going to make it a series, and it ain't as long as a series, so it, it's a standalone. But I, I wanted to deliver uh, to you a message regarding something that we don't talk about very much, and therefore we probably don't understand uh, very well. Last year, Carolyn and I uh, took some time, a few days off, and uh, this particular season we were we were tired and we were a bit depleted from just life and ministry. And what we do is it's a hard work, uh, and then um, in the midst of raising a family as well. Um, And while we were away, uh, the Lord really started to speak to me and convict me about the Sabbath. Uh, And I realized I did not understand God's Uh, I didn't understand God's principles or his feelings on it. And because I didn't understand it, uh, I wasn't applying it. Uh, So I began to read about it. I began to study the word about it. And Carolyn and I have now been trying to apply these principles to our lives. A few weeks after that, uh, our time away, and the Lord just kind of got my attention on the Sabbath. Then Pastor Mike Taylor was uh, started a series on Sabbath in our men's Bible study. Any of you men remember that series that he started? And so I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just keeping this right in front of me. And I even think I told that group, I, I'm gonna, I'll probably preach something on this because of how the Lord is working in my life. And as, as he teaches me, I teach you. That's just how it goes uh, for, for me. 
Uh, truth is, I believe that this could be one of the most important sermons that I preach all year. I, I really do. Uh, because Sabbath is a truth from God's word and a principle that he expects us to live by. And there are consequences if we don't, and there are blessings if we do. Okay. Um, I don't know if anyone else is like this, but during the winter time, and I'm kind of looking forward to this now, but during the winter time, one of the things that our family always looks forward to is snow days. Anybody love a snow day? Because a snow day around here, it's just, uh, it, it just stops everybody. And it's typically for a day, maybe two. Okay, so it's not so long. We don't feel, you know, that we're just trapped. Um, but we, I mean, we love a snow day. Uh, because, every, see, then everybody has to take a snow day, you know. And, and we don't feel like we're missing anything. We don't have any fear of missing out. Uh, and we can stay in our PJs and we can sip coffee and hot chocolate and we can watch Hallmark movies, I mean sports all day and we can just enjoy the day. Anybody else get to enjoy a snow day? Anybody relate to that? Yes. See, it's a great feeling to me. It's a great feeling to get some time off, just to get some time off. And God knew that we needed some days off. He knew we did. Uh, he knew that days off were so important. Uh, and they have a physical benefit for us, and they have a spiritual benefit. And so he built in, and I, this is silly, but he built in some snow days to our week. Did you know that? He built in some days into his natural order of things, and he calls it Sabbath. That's what he calls it. So the title of this message today is Take a Breath. Take a breath. And I want to show you the importance of the Sabbath and why we need to take a harder look at it and apply it to our lives. So this is going to be a teaching message today. Are you okay with that? All right. So uh, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 16. We'll be in verse 23. I'm going to ask if you'll stand in the honor of reading of God's word. Before we do that, we're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us into the truth of this and apply this message to our lives today. Let's do that. So, Lord, what, a, what an important principle of Sabbath, and, Lord, we need to, to learn about it. Uh, we need to know about it because uh, I believe that the strength and the energy and the creativity and all of the blessings that Sabbath brings will be necessary for this church's future. And, Lord, I pray that we learn the truth of your word today. Holy Spirit, would you teach us? Would you guide us? And I empty myself in this moment and I ask for you to fill me to overflowing. Teach us, God. Remove any distractions. Remove anything that would hinder us from hearing your word. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's begin reading. Remain standing. Here we go. Exodus 16, beginning in verse 23, going all the way through 30. He told them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. Now, I just want you to notice that the Sabbath, that is a rest. It's a day of rest, okay? So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. Now he's talking about manna. You've heard about, uh, you've heard about manna. And this is uh, the food that 
God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness, miraculously. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Now that, that shocked them, and I'll tell you why in a little bit, okay? Moses said, eat this food today, for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Now, there's no, God's not going to provide for provision on the seventh day, but he's going to provide double on the sixth day. Everybody follow me? Okay. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, now, how long are these people refused to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. And underline that word gift if you're going to underline anything. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out to pick up food on the seventh day, so the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, let me explain to you why they were not that why they were surprised that manna that was held over on uh, the sixth day didn't spoil, didn't have any worms in it. Um, God had given them specific instructions on how much manna to collect each day. They were, there was a certain amount that they were supposed to collect. And he said, he told them, I will provide for you every day. I will provide for you. Well, what happened is they thought, uh, well, what if we get up the next morning and then God doesn't provide for us? Well, what if we get up and it's not there? There's no manna on the ground. What are we going to do? So on days one through five, they were collecting more than God had told them. They were, they were trying to do that. And God caused, see, I think God caused the manna to have a short shelf life. And the extra manna that they had collected then, it spoiled overnight and it stunk up the house. And then they, they looked and it had worms in it. And God was saying to them, no, don't do it your way. You do it my way. And I'll provide for you every day. And then on the sixth day, you collect twice as much and you'll have enough for the Sabbath. You do it my way, not your way. So they gathered double on the sixth day, like they had done on all the other days where they were doing and it spoiled. But to their surprise, they woke up on that uh, seventh day, the extra manna that had been spoiling all the other days was still fresh on the seventh day. And then, then when they were gathering. Now God was trying to teach them a lesson, a principle that absolutely applies today. It absolutely applies today. The first thing that he was trying to teach them, this is what I picked up. The first thing was, trust me to take the day off. Trust me to take the day off. The second thing is, you do it my way and only my way, and I will provide supernaturally for you. See, that's the principal teaching of Sabbath. You do it my way, and I will provide supernaturally for you. Now, in their defense, in the Israelites' defense, 
I would say it made perfect sense, common sense, that, that they would want to gather a little extra of the Lord's provision. The Lord's provided, we want to we gather some up, we want to have some of what the Lord, we want to have a little more of what the Lord's providing for us, we want to make sure we've got what we need. But the Word says, don't lean on your own understanding or your own common sense, thinking when it comes to the things of God. When God gives a command, when God gives instructions, you do it His way. See, you obey God and do things His way by His principles, and He will work miracles in your life. I promise you that. That's what the principle of Sabbath is all about. It's about doing life God's way through faith and receiving the blessing and the benefit of what God wants to give you. Now, I want to teach you some things about the Sabbath that the Lord has been teaching me. Here's number one if you're taking notes. The Sabbath is a commandment. The Sabbath is a commandment. Now, I want you to flip over just a few chapters here to Exodus 20. Exodus 20. I want you to look at verse 8. <clears throat> and it's all on the screen or you can turn there. Verse 8 says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, your livestock, your animals can't work, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart to be holy. There's something funny to me. He just said, your animals can't work. Any of you, if y'all are harnessing up a dog and causing them to do something, don't do it. Now, the Sabbath, uh, the Sabbath made God's top ten list. God has a top ten list. You know what they are. And this passage, this passage, Exodus 20, was explaining God's top 10 list. This is the Ten Commandments coming here. He was, they, were, they were explaining them. Now, I, wanna, I want to say it out loud. We, we won't say it out loud. But in our hearts, out of the Ten Commandments, most of us will adhere to nine of them, but not to all ten of them. Um, I want to ask you some questions regarding the Ten Commandments, and you just answer yes or no. Okay. Uh, do you believe that you should have no other gods before you? Yes. Do you believe that you should not have any idols? Okay. Y'all are on a roll. Everybody's in agreement. Do you believe that you should not take the Lord's name in vain? Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to skip the fourth commandment for a second. Do you believe that you should honor your parents? Okay. How about that you shouldn't tell a lie? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't steal. You believe that? Do you believe that you should not commit adultery? Do you believe that you should not murder? Do you believe that you should not covet? Okay, now, do you believe that you should take the day off? Now, we'll all say yes, right? If we're a believer, we're going to be, yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But the question is, do you do that? Now, the answer for me was no. 
I'm just going to be transparent. Even though we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace, still the principles have been written on the hearts of every believer. And this principle still stands. We know that if we violate one of the principles of God's law, that that would be sinning against a holy God. We know that. And when we do that, there's something what I call a displacement effect on our relationship with the Lord. There's a displacement effect when we're not obeying the principles of the Lord until there's repentance. Repentance brings us back in alignment with the Lord and in His ways. So why are we so passive about not obeying the commandment of the Sabbath? Now let me ask you a question. How long has it been since you've confessed and repented for not taking a day off? See, my answer to that question when the Holy Spirit asked me that on my time away, when Carolyn and I were away last year, when the Holy Spirit came to me and he says, have you, this is something in your life, and that question was asked to me, I had to say I had never considered. It was, it was a resounding never for me. I had never repented or considered repented of not taking a Sabbath arrest in my life. Not really connecting that that was sin against God. And when the Holy Spirit convicted me and visited me about that, then I repented and I asked him, then you're going to have to teach me this principle. I need you to teach me and I need you to help me implement this principle in my life because it's probably one of the hardest things that I might have to do. Now, my Sabbath is Saturday. That's when I typically take. Sunday's not a day off for me. This is not my Sabbath. So I, I have to take time off other than Sunday to observe a day of rest. Uh, this is a principle, so it doesn't matter what day you take. Okay, it doesn't matter what day you take. Now, some people think it, it does matter, but I, I, it's a, I don't think it does matter. So we can't be legalistic about it, all right? But there are blessings for following the commands of the Lord. Now, let me just stop for a second and say this. I just, I just want just to share this theology. Before Christ, there was the law, the Ten Commandments, and this was one of them. The Sabbath was one of them, the Ten Commandments. And you sinned if you broke the law, okay? Uh, and then you had to atone for your sin by sacrificing to cover your sin, okay? So you had to offer a sacrifice. The priest took the sacrifice. The blood was shed to atone for your sin, but there had to be something that you do if you broke that too. And, and that was, uh, so that was practice. That's how God dealt with sin. When Christ came and he died on the cross, he fulfilled the law, okay? So we don't live under the law anymore, but the heart, the principle of the law still remains because they were God's standards to his people. And since God does not change, his standards have not changed. His principles have not changed. We learn in our series, remember the series on the Sermon on the Mount that we did, and Jesus taught the laws, that they, he said the laws are now written on our hearts, so that we, and now it's not enough to just follow the letter of the law that he says, but it's also about the heart of the law. Remember Jesus said, the law says don't murder, but I say don't even have hatred in your heart. So he's getting to the root of the matter, it's the principle. 
See, see, murder is when you cross the line, and that's their sin, what Jesus is saying, but the, print, the, the hatred is the principle of the heart. Okay. Now, I want you to hear me. God's standards have not gone away because of grace. We're saved by grace through Jesus. He was the ultimate sacrifice for sin for all time. But let me ask you this. If you honor the Ten Commandments, are there blessings? Yes or no? Yes. Are there benefits? Yes. If you don't, are there consequences? Yes. Let me ask you another way. If you commit adultery, are there consequences? If you lie, are there consequences? All right, now, so if you don't observe the Sabbath, are there consequences? Yes, you see, the, just the principle applies. Because of grace, I want you to hear me. Because of grace, you will not get what you deserve if you break one of those commandments. You hear me? You won't get what you deserve. What do we deserve because of sin? Death. Because of grace, we won't get what we deserve. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay? And that's because of Jesus. That's what gives us grace. But if you've ignored this principle, I guarantee you, you're probably dealing with some of the consequences now. That's why I believe this message is so important because if we start obeying this principle in earnest, if we start doing that, I believe that it could save some marriages. I think that it could alleviate some stress and bring about better health, better refreshment, some creativity and vitality to all of us. See, I believe that it will do that. See, how many problems do we deal with because we don't observe the Sabbath? Have you ever thought about that? No, not really. Here's number two. Sabbath is a witness. Sabbath is a witness. Okay? Now, a couple of chapters over. You still have a marker at Mark. I haven't forgotten, but a couple of chapters over in Exodus 31. Verse 14. Exodus 31, verse 14. He says, you must keep the Sabbath day for it is, what's the word? Holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. That's right. He says, it is a holy day, a set apart day for you. Watch this. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. That's pretty severe. Anyone who works on the Sabbath day will be cut off from the community. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. By the way, there are three sins in the Old Testament uh, that held the death penalty. There were three. Not keeping the Sabbath was one of them. Adultery was the other, and dishonoring your parents, disobeying your parents was the third one. Do you know that? Those are the three ones in the, according to Old Testament law that required the death penalty. The people of Israel, verse 16, must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. Now, this is a covenant obligation for all time, Scripture says. This is a covenant obligation for all time. And remember, we're grafted in. We're grafted in. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. Let me ask you this. How long is permanent? It's forever. Now we're doing good. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day, he stopped working 
and was refreshed. Now that jumped off the page at me. He was refreshed. Now that poses an issue with some theologians, as I've learned. Because the question is, how can an omnipotent, all-powerful God be refreshed? How is that possible? Now I'll tell you the answer to that question in a second, but I want to first tell you how the Sabbath is a witness. Now, there was no other nation that observed the Sabbath. There was no, at this time, there was no other nation on earth that observed the Sabbath. It was only for God's people, the Israelites. The Jewish nation entered into covenant. They were the only ones who entered into covenant with God. They were the only ones. Now, suppose an Israelite was doing business with an Egyptian or a Babylonian or someone from another nation. And they said, so the Egyptian businessman came up to the Israelite businessman and he said, hey, I'm running a little late this week. My schedule's a little full. I'll come over to your office on Saturday and we'll sign the contract then. Let's just say that's how that phone call went. And the Israelite businessman, he says, well, I can't do Saturday. That's Sabbath. And then the Egyptian businessman, he said, what's Sabbath? See, they didn't know it. They didn't practice it. They didn't know it. And the Israelites said, well, that's a day of rest. We don't work on that day. We take the day off from work. And the Israel was like, what, mind blown? You take a day off? Nobody else takes a day off. Nobody in my company, in my country takes a day off. You take a day off. Your God gives you a day off. And the others, and, and he says, why, why, do you, why, why do you do that? Why do you, how do you get to do that? And the Israelite says, because God rested. So we rest. And the other person says, who's God? Who are you talking about? And we're off to the races. You see? See, that kind of question like that's like saying, sick them to a dog. If your spiritual eyes and ears are open and you're letting the Lord use you to be a witness, it was a change of pace. It was God doing things God's way. He, had, he wanted them to do it God's way. You see, it's a great witnessing tool for us against the world. When you're living God's way, guess what? You're going to be an outlier. You're going to be an outlier. Now, now, let's get back to this word refreshed. Now, the Hebrew meaning of the root of this word is to breathe. Okay, that's the root word. Now, the other part of that word is means to take. So that word to be refreshed means to take breath or to breathe in. All right, now. So what this is saying is God, after, after he created for six days, he took a breath. He took a breath on day seven. Now, to understand that, you have to think about what God was doing all the other six days of creation, what he was doing. Uh, how does God create? How did God create all through scripture? He spoke. He spoke. Okay. He speaks. Let there be. 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 
God had been breathing out. He had been creating with his breath. He speaks, it happens. He speaks, it happens. He speaks, it happens. In fact, the last thing that scripture says is that he breathed in life into human beings. He breathed life into Adam and Eve. And then on the seventh day, God went, (sighs) he took a breath in. And he's saying, I want you to do that too. I want you to take a breather. I want you to catch your breath. I want you to be refreshed. See, this is a gift from God. The Sabbath is a gift to us. He's saying, take a breath. One day a week, I'm gonna build it in and I'll provide for you. I'll give you strength to do what you need to do. I'll give you strength to work and to live and to create. I'll give you strength. I'll make provision for you. See, what we do sometimes is take this gift and turn it into a burden. Because some think, well, on Sabbath, I got to read a certain amount of scripture. I got to, I mean, I got to meditate all day. I got to go to fast and pray and make sure that all my lights are off in the house. And I've got to burn all the candles now. You know, we got to, Martha, make sure we got some candles, some tapers, would you? And that, we don't turn the stove on, no exertion of energy. There are some people that believe the Sabbath should be lived that way. It's got to, some people think it's got to be a certain day, same day every week. No, no, no. See, that's legalistic. That's legalistic. That's not God's principle. The principle is trust and faith and rest. That's the principle. It's a gift to God's people. If we give 10% of our time to the Lord, we give that one day, the other 90% is blessed, and God's 90% blessing will go further than our 100% without his blessing. Now, number three. God is serious about Sabbath. He's serious about it. Now remember, this is one of the three commands that held the death penalty. So if it was broken, God took this pretty seriously. Numbers 15, you still got a marker in Mark, but Numbers 15, Numbers 15, 32. It says, one day while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they discovered a man gathering wood on the Sabbath. So we got a stick picker upper here. The people who found him doing this took him before Moses, Aaron, and the rest of the community. The man was picking up sticks. They held him in custody because they did not know what to do with him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. The whole community must stone him outside the camp. Now, by the way, the community knew, like they said they didn't know what to do with him. They knew, they just forgot. They had been taught, they just forgot, or they didn't believe. So the whole community took the man outside the camp and stoned him to death, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, I think we see that God's pretty serious about this commandment, but why? Why would God go so far as to give the death penalty for breaking commandments? That one, the adultery or disobeying, why would he do that? Why would he impose the death penalty on a stick picker-upper? Why would he do that? Here's why. Because he's serious about you. That's why. Because he's serious about love for his people. That's why. 
let me put it to you this way, if that didn't hit home. Are you dying faster than you should because you're not resting in living life God's way? God knew what was best for you. He knows what's best for his people. And what he was doing with this principle is he was saying, no, you're going to live my way because I know what's best for you. You do not know what's best for you. And I want to preserve you and I want to preserve your life. I love you that much. So I'll take it serious. Are you under a death penalty because you won't receive a gift from God? See, Sabbath for the believer is not punishment. It's a gift. He knows we need it. Why would we say no? Why would we say no to that? Now, the top two questions that I have heard over the years about Sabbath. Here's the first one. Does it matter when I take it? Does it matter when I take it? Uh, for some people, it's Saturday. Uh, for some, it's Sunday. Today, some, for, for many of you today, you've come to worship the Lord, and then you're going to take your Sabbath. This is your Sabbath, and you go home, and you'll rest. I, I know many pastors who take uh, their Sabbath on Mondays because they preach Saturday and Sunday. The weekends are, it's, it's full for them, so they take it on Monday or another day of the week. Uh, so Sabbath, I believe, can be observed anytime because it's the principle of rest and trust obedience uh, to do that. Here's the second question that some people may ask is, what do you do on Sabbath? Well, what do you do? The easier question for me to answer is, what do you not do on Sabbath? Uh, my answer to that question is, it's simple, work. You just don't do work. Uh, I, I don't do, I, I work hard to have everything done for today by end of the day on Friday. So that Saturday, I'm not sermon prepping, I'm not doing any administrative work, I'm not putting anything together, I'm not answering the emails, I'm not doing any of those things, anything that would be work-related for me, okay? I, I, I try to clear my Saturday so that I have a complete day of rest from my work. I try to do other things. I enjoy my family. I like to be outside. I like to go play golf. I, I, I like to be uh, on the ball field. I like to just do things, just take a breather, take a break from my work. How many of you would it be a challenge if I challenged you, don't answer an email on Sabbath, on your Sabbath, that pertains to your work? Um, how about not take any phone calls? Let that go to uh, voicemail on your Sabbath if it comes in from work. I want you to hear me. It's so important that we don't become legalistic about it. In fact, as a rule, I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do on the Sabbath? And what do you want me to not do on the Sabbath? God might require something more of you for whatever he's doing in your life than he would require from, from somebody else. You understand? 
The principle is that you trust God, you rest, and you take a breath, take a breather, be refreshed. And then the question is, well, what about emergencies? Hmm. Well, Jesus answered that question, didn't he? And his answer is the same as I just told you. He, you know, and he, he says, if your animal falls in the ditch, pull it out. If your ox and your donkey, if you need got an ox and a donkey, no judgment. If they need water, Jesus says, lead them to water. He's saying don't be rigid or legalistic. Be principled. So if you have an emergency, if someone calls and says, hey, your business is on fire. You need to come down here real quick. Don't say, I can't at Sabbath. I can't. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Do what you have to do, but just know, just know this, church, God is very serious about the Sabbath. Just know. Here's number four. Now, this, this is so fascinating to me. Unobserved Sabbaths accumulate. Unobserved Sabbaths accumulate. Now, this is going to shock some of you what I'm about to read. We're still not in Mark yet, but we're in 2 Chronicles 36. We're getting there. I'll keep going. 2 Chronicles 36, listen to this. The few who survived were taken as exiles to Babylon. He's talking about Israel's take going to Babylon in exile. And they became servants to the king and his sons until the king, kingdom of Persia came to power. So the message of the Lord spoke through Jeremiah, spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. Look at this. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. Okay, let me tell you what happened. God said to them, every seven years, you will let the land rest. Every seven years, you will let the land observe Sabbath. You'll let the land take a breather. Now, side note here, did you know, did you know that studies have been done and proven that land will produce more if you let the field rest every seven years and not plow it and plant, don't plant anything on it? Not six years. Not eight years, but seven years. It's, it's like somebody designed it that way. So every seven years, they were supposed to let the land rest. But they didn't. They didn't do that. They got to the seventh year, and they didn't believe God's word, so they plowed the field anyway. Now, here's what I think. You know, this is just my commentary. This ain't in the Bible. This is just how your pastor thinks. See, I can just imagine this. They probably, on year six, they probably had a bumper crop that year. I mean, they, it was probably a bumper crop. And they were finally making some progress in the Israelite agricultural department, right? And they were making some advancements. They had figured some things out. And they were thinking, well, we'll just ride this wave of success. We've been building up. We just had a bumper crop. And we'll see if we can get a lucky number seven. See, I can just imagine, because that's how my mind will work too. Well, you can imagine. See, I can just picture this now. God up in heaven with a big whiteboard and a, a dry erase marker. And, and, it, and then the first, they plow, they plow year seven, and he goes, one. 
And then they keep working and they get to year 14, because every, every seven years, they get to year 14 and they plow through 14, two, and he's just making a tally mark somewhere up in there, three, four, whatever. All right. Do you know how long they went without letting the land rest? Do you know? They went for 490 years without letting the land rest. Now, let me ask you a simple question. If you had done something for 490 years, would you begin to think that you were going to get away with it? Four hundred and ninety years, and they probably thought, "Oh, God's not too concerned over this field plowing thing on the seventh year. He's probably not so concerned about this. He's probably forgotten all about this." Well, let me tell you, God never forgets. Now, God chooses to forgive our sin. He chooses to do that. He, if He forgets anything, He chooses to forget. Okay. And remember them no more. And we've studied that before. We've talked about that before. But God can't forget unless he chooses to. And then there's the principle of reaping and sowing. That principle is you sow bad seed, you're going to reap bad fruit. You sow good seed, you're going to reap good fruit. You see where I'm going it doesn't matter how long it takes from your sowing to the time of the reaping. It don't matter how long it takes. And see, sometimes we think because there aren't bad consequences right away, maybe we're getting away with this decision or this lifestyle or this behavior and it just becomes mundane for us and we think it's no Big deal that I don't take my Sabbath. It's no big deal. Yes, I read it in the Ten Commandments. I'll even stand up and testify, and I'll say, yes, I believe it's wrong, but I'm not living that way because the consequences haven't been just right there in the reapings yet. But you will reap what you sow. They went 490 years without keeping the Sabbath, without letting the land rest, and God sends an army in and takes them captive. Actually, they became slaves until the land enjoyed its rest. Now, if you do the math, that's 490 years divided by seven, that's 70 Sabbaths that had accumulated. So it was 70 Sabbaths that had to pass before the Lord then released them out of captivity. Now, I wonder how many of us are slaves to our calendars, to our businesses, to the rat race, to the worry, to the anxiety, to the stress, to the depression, to the addictions, to the overwhelming feelings, all because we have not obeyed the principle of the Sabbath. Now, God takes them out of the land, holds them captivity for seven, for 70 years so that the land could enjoy her Sabbath. Now, if God is so concerned about the land enjoying his Sabbath, how much more is he concerned about you enjoying your Sabbath? Unobserved Sabbaths accumulate. You know that anecdotally. You know if you've been running, 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 is one day off going to fill your tank up? Yes or no? No. Of course it doesn't. 
You'll pay a price for not obeying in this area. You'll reap as you sow. Here's number five, and this is the last thing. Sabbath is for our benefit. Now we're in Mark. We've made it to Mark. Mark chapter 2, verse 23, 28. Isn't this good? This is good stuff. <sighs> One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scripture what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was high priest, and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, now listen, and I underline this, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not meet the needs, not meet the requirement of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Here's, here's what I want you to know. The Sabbath was made for you. You weren't made for the Sabbath. It was made for you. In other words, God did not make the Sabbath and say, okay, you guys serve this legalistic command, this legalistic principle. You be servants of the Sabbath. Hmm. See, he made us, and then he made the Sabbath as a benefit, a gift to us. So we, we have to see it as a gift from God to be taken and applied and enjoyed, not a legalistic ritual that God wants you to do. Now, I want you to listen to me. Now, you, every one of us have four basic tanks that we operate from, and four basic tanks. Uh, and they get drained all the time. They're a mental tank, an emotional, physical, spiritual. Okay? We have those tanks. What I've learned that for a long time, I was leading with all of those tanks bone dry, empty, nearly empty. And I've made the mistake of trying to love and serve and minister to people and to be a dad and a husband and a friend with tanks empty most of the time. I've made that mistake because I did not know or I did not understand the principle of the Sabbath. And because I didn't know it and how God valued it, I didn't value it. And it hasn't been that long ago that I hit a wall. Carol and I were exhausted. I mentioned this at the beginning, and our elder said, Daniel, you just need to take some time and rest. And some got together and made provisions for us to do that. And that's when the Lord started working on me about this topic. And we both began to seek the Lord's face and apply it. And while I was doing that, there were three particular scriptures that the Lord led me to. And I read these, and it was... John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I read that. And then I read Romans 15.13 where it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I read that scripture. And then Psalm 23.5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. 
So I, I was reading those scriptures during this time, and I saw full of life, abounding in joy, hope, uh, full of peace, a cup overflowing. Those were the pictures that those scriptures were painting in front of me, and I couldn't see where use, I was using any of those to describe my life. But the Lord was saying to me, Daniel, I want you to minister out of the overflow of your life, not just full overflowing. No more of this empty half tank, three quarter tank, one quarter, none of that, none of that stuff. I want you to minister and to love and to be a dad and to be a husband to out of the overflow of your life. So I had to repent of that. I had to repent of where I had not known and had been disobedient in this area of my life. And then I asked him to help me guard my time and my energy and put some boundaries in place and keep my Sabbath so that I can minister and be a dad and be, a, be all of that out of the capacity that he has called me to have. Listen to me. We all have busy schedules. We could sit down and across from each other and we could all make lists of why this will be hard to do. If we compared schedules, yours could be busier than mine. No doubt. But I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you, I'm pleading with you, take a breather, take a breath, take the Sabbath, take the day off. See, decide, see, all it is, it's a matter of trusting and obeying God. I'm going to do things God's way. See, decide today. The decision today is I'm going to do things God's way. I'm going to believe God. And here's what you'll see. And here's what I've seen since I've been putting this practice into place in my life, I have seen God supernaturally replenish my soul over and over and over again, no matter what my circumstances were. And I'm, I'm testimony. I've sensed, I've sensed a fire in my study, a greater creativity in as I've, I've approached studying the word and preparing to feed, I've sensed strength in my home life. I've sensed a refreshment. Now, am I perfect at this? No. I'm on a journey just like you are. But I'm seeking to obey the Lord and apply his principles to my life. And I know that it will make a difference. I'm telling you, it'll make a difference for you too. The future of our church depends on me understanding this principle and getting it right. But I'm going to say the future of this church and the effectiveness that we'll have for the kingdom and the body of Christ and in this world also depends on you as equally understanding and applying this principle to your lives and into your homes.